This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional touring rock and roll band. This is episode 103. Every time I say these numbers, like ever since I've hit 100, it kind of blows my mind that I've done this many of them, but I'm having such a blast and very special episode today. One of the most requested guests, been trying to get him on the podcast for pretty much pretty much two years now. Dustin of Thrice is here. Uh, such a great talk, such an interesting guy. Uh, a lot of different dynamics going on with with obviously Thrice uh, and their amazing career they've had. His solo stuff, um, you know, his his life as a Christian. It really has been very interesting. So I, I'm I was looking forward so much to having Dustin on, and the day has finally come. Before we get into that, shout out to all my sinners worldwide, everybody. That's in the All Access Club. That is how you can help out this show. If you're interested in helping us grow, helping us keep the lights on, check out the All Access Club. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. And for as little as $6 a month, you can join. You get a bunch of bonus content, free stuff, interaction with me, interaction with other guests of the show, etc., etc., so check that link out, please, because that is what keeps this thing going. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Last week with Josh Todd of Buck Cherry was a good time. Uh, thank you, everyone that tuned in. If you love the episode, please go on iTunes, write a review. If you didn't like it, we have the hate line option. 
You can give me a call. You can leave me a message. And I did roll out a clip last week of Brendan Potter of New Braunfels, Texas, uh, you know, giving me some hate. I love it. So I do roll out these clips. So if you want to leave me some hate, it's real simple. Pick up your phone and dial 657-666-HATE. Again, that's 657-666-H-A-T-E. Leave a message, and I do roll out clips now. This is a thing. So give it to me. But I do sincerely hope that you enjoy this episode and past episodes. Uh, Again, I've done 103 of these things. There's back episodes you can listen to. And really, I mean, this is kind of my thing these days. I spend a lot of time... Uh, booking guests for the show, uh, editing this thing. You know, I do almost everything that this podcast is completely by myself. So thank you guys so much. I I hope you like it. And if you do, check out the All Access Club. And if you can't afford it, I understand. I mean, it really is only the price of like one fancy coffee a month or like, you know, even like two kind of crappy coffees. But, you know, whatever. If you can't afford it, I understand. All I ask is if you dig the show, Tell a friend, tell a loved one, let's keep this thing going, and uh, I am loving it, so thank you so much for, for being a part of it. Anyways, hey, let's jump in to this week's episode and my conversation with Dustin Kensrew of Thrice. Yo, Dustin, what's up, man? Hey, doing all right? Sorry, I spaced. No, you know, it happens all the time. I always give people a little heads up. I was going to tell you, like, I don't know. I would have told you earlier, but I kind of spaced too, to be honest with you. So here we are, a couple space cadets. So uh, are you in Texas? I am. I'm in El Paso Day Off. El Paso Day Off. That's classic. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. have. Uh, I'm on tour right now, too. Um, I'm, in, I'm in Thunder Bay. Uh, oh, sweet. Which is another classic, like, tour day off. Like, you never really play there, but you spend, like, so much time there, you know it, like, better than cities you play. It's, like, the weirdest thing. Yeah, we played there once, I think, but we actually we haven't been through, like, uh, Canada and that kind of area that much, surprisingly. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, El Paso is, like, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys are just stopping in. You guys ever play there? I don't know if we ever have maybe once. That's crazy. No, it's actually usually it's the day off. It's actually pretty decent. We we played. I was surprised. We played this little place called like Tricky Falls or something. It was like a like an eight hundred cap. It was like pretty good show. So that's cool. Well, man, it's so good to have you. Um, Believe it or not, you are definitely one of the most requested guests for the show. Uh, I'm honored. We yes, I've been trying to get you know nail you down for a while. So it's really good to have you and. um, yeah, man. So, uh, uh, what's new? What's up? How how are things? You know, in the life of uh, Dustin Kensrue. Uh, good, man. We're the last tour on the cycle, and we're writing a new record right now. So that's always fun and stressful. And uh, yeah, trying to keep keep on a timeline so it doesn't just drag out into eternity. Um, 
but it should be out next summer, late summer maybe. Okay, cool. So you're you're working on it right now. That's great. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you guys have had, you know, you, you say, oh, we're at the end of the cycle. I've never felt like, you know, you, like, Thrice has been the kind of band that goes through, like, a normal kind of record cycle. You know what I mean? Because you have, all your records are so radically different. You know, there was a while when you were putting out EPs. There was a while where you took a hiatus. Uh, so, you know, for you to just kind of nonchalantly be like, yeah, you know, we're at the end of our cycle. It, it's kind of, you know, interesting to me that, to hear you say that. Well, yeah, I mean, we did the Alchemy Index stuff, which was EPs, but was released kind of as, you know, a, a two full links connected, almost like Radiohead did with uh, Today and Amnesiac. Right. Um, but so that was kind of a combined weird touring cycle through all that. But other than that, I feel like we've had pretty, pretty normal ones. You know, we I feel like our rhythm is about, aside from hiatus and, other weird projects it's been about you know two years between putting out records um yeah i don't know no, no, just, totally uh, totally it's just, well uh, i mean you gotta like it's hard to to make a living selling records so you you, you can't go too long if you're gonna work in band <laughs> to uh between things uh but you gotta space out enough to where you can actually go back to the cities you just played so it's a it's a balance it is a balance, no, that, that makes a lot of sense, and, and yeah, I just, I mean, I guess my, my statement really is just, Thrice is, is, you are the kings of, you know, not doing things the conventional way, um, and I, I like that, I, I've always admired that about your band, um, not just some of the stylistic changes you've, you know, employed over the years, but, but even just the idea of, hey, we're going to make a record like this, we're going to do this, or, or I'm going to start, you know, putting out solo records and Christmas records and, and all this stuff um, is, is it really just come down to doing like change because you don't want to stay in the same place too long or is it like you said I mean you know you got to make ends meet you know you're a family man uh, I think it's a combination of all the things I mean us as like a, a band you know all fall in different places on you know a bunch of different spectrums I guess but uh, we all do really value doing things the way that we want to do them. And um, it's something you kind of have to figure out how to put your foot down as you're going along and, um, you know, not just be super stubborn and, uh, you know, not work with any of the people who are trying to help you in your band. But at the same time, you know, you've got to say no to certain things. You've got to push for other things that you want other people to say yes to and um yeah so i mean alchemy index is a good example of that uh which is you know like hey we want to do this 24 song four disc thing and uh the funny thing about that was i think island at the time we were on island but most of our crew had kind of left from there at that point and uh i think they were just hoping that in 24 songs there'd be you know a a hit in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so once we delivered it, they're like, "Oh, yeah, we don't really want to put this out." We're like, "Yeah, we don't really want you to." But <laughs> uh, so they got to save uh, half the advance, and we got to keep our records. So oh, okay, that was, that's the story. There, it was well, a good exchange. I mean, we we worked really hard on it, made it ourselves, and all that. So, and it's just it's we're repressing it right now. It's it should be done any day. So we're excited about that. It's ten year anniversary. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I mean, that, 
like, let's start there. I mean, that's that's something I really want to ask you about. I mean, I remember Thrice as, you know, a band on Hopeless Subsidy, uh, a punk band, you know? Um, a lot of roots to, to kind of what Hopeless Records used to put out, which was... You know, skate punk records, um, and, and you you know you guys kind of fit into that a little bit, and then obviously your, your music has changed so much in the in you know, over the years that it doesn't anymore. But the success you picked up over the first two records, then signing to Island Records, was to me it seemed like very strange that that took place. Was it strange to you too that that a label like Island wanted to pick up your band? Yeah, I mean, it was a weird time. Uh, it was kind of the beginning of this second wave of indie bands getting picked up. You know, the first kind of being with you know, Nirvana, Green Day, stuff like that. And right. then, um, or at least this is how I see it, I don't know. But, yeah, so we put out Illusion of Safety, and on that, I think that was the... Is that the Plea for Peace tour? I can't even remember. I don't know. We were out on tour early on, and the record had just come out, come out, and we had people flying out from all these different labels to try to sign us. Uh, it was super surreal and weird. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we just we I mean we just approached it like okay, we don't have to do this. This is we're fine right now, but we can do this if it makes sense to us. So we just met with everyone. And, uh, at the time the team in Island was cool and everyone really seemed to have an understanding of like, this is a career rock band. They're not, you know, their deal is not going to be trying to crank out radio hits for us. They're just going to do their thing. And we're into that. Uh, and then, yeah, once the leadership changes and labels so often these days that it's, uh, hard to keep track of but uh eventually just it was a totally different team there well totally and and, i mean that was i mean i guess artist ambulance came out in what 2003 i think and you know that was kind of the peak of when records were really selling you know and then three four years after that was when things started to hit a wall uh and decline altogether so uh, that's that's just was the nature of it um but with you know the other thing was interesting too that happened back then and and I don't know if, if people think about it or talk about it anymore, but you guys had a very interesting kinship with Thursday because you guys were signed at the same time and it was almost like, and I almost think that the the names being both with TH, there was this weird like thing where you guys were grouped together, lumped together at these major label signing bands, but really we musically were, we were you didn't have... both on Island too. Exactly, you're both on Island. <laughs> and, and it was like the weirdest thing because I was like, well, why are people using these bands interchangeably when they're really different bands yeah that was i mean that was a it was uh, i think it really showed itself in the thrice thursday thing but it was frustrating on a larger front too or just being like hey here's all these screamo bands and it's like what the hell is that none of these bands sound the same right um but it was just a way of kind of branding the majors trying to like uh, you know make this movement something they could market and um so it was like yeah we we all came out of the same scene which is rad like we came from these roots and we were all doing our own things with it uh but that was you know largely ignored on a larger level and that was that whole thing with Thursday was super frustrating because 
we were friends with them and we were going to do that tour and it just uh, there was so much so many complications surrounding it because Island was kind of forcing our hands to do it and it was making it hard to you know negotiate how everything worked out so it was I mean it was a uh, a rough tour in a lot of ways and you know, we worked through all that with them and still buds but it was it was just a weird a weird time no totally but I mean that was the start of when you guys started you know pulling away from your early sound um, you know the, this sort of skate punk uh, thing um, was there a talk with Island when you're making songs like okay you know like you mentioned with uh, Alchemy Index alright 24 songs like you know there's got to be a hit in there somewhere um, was that something that Island was trying to do were they trying to get you to write songs for the radio um, like creatively did they have control or were they like no 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 like you guys can kind of do whatever you want we just want to like we believe in you guys um, they were pretty rad about stuff uh, especially at that point our in our guy Rob um, Stevenson was um, he would give input and you know say oh I really like this song or whatever uh, but there was never any like hey like no this is not right you gotta go back and whatever um, and actually this <laughs> I remember for BC the song that he really liked ended up not even being on the record because it was we tried so many times to remake it and to get everyone on the same page about it and it just got worse and worse so sometimes <laughs> you end up kicking a dead horse and yeah sometimes you kick it and it jumps up and you're like oh i thought that thing was dead and then uh now it's a now it's a song so we've had that with like like words in the water was one of those where it went oh, through yeah. so many changes and then all of a sudden there it was it was like the last thing done on that record but yeah, it's funny how that happens, and it's funny how sometimes you, you, a song, you know, when you're writing a song, you can start a certain way, and you can make all these changes, and then all of a sudden you'll just be like, wait a second, it was best, just the way we wrote it initially, you know, like how yeah, these songs totally. can revert to the beginning, that's like one of my favorite things about songwriting, it's like, you can, you know, you second guess yourself so many times that you're, the initial thing is the best. Yeah, and it's hard when you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen too to figure <laughs> any of that out. Is that what th- would you say? Thrice has a lot of cooks in the kitchen in terms of cre- creatively. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's what makes it super hard at times, and also really rewarding and fun. And I think is what makes our band unique and sound like us. So we we definitely all are very involved in the the writing process I end up writing you know, most of the melodies and lyrics but um, creatively it's very much a democracy so a lot of push and pull and uh, yeah 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 no it's um was is that part of why you know you decided to go off and do some solo records I mean you've done a lot of them now um, the first one came out in what I think 2007 so it's been 10 years of, of you know solo Dustin um, what, what was the decision to start doing that and have you found that very rewarding? I mean, obviously you keep doing it. Um, I mean, it's a lot different, uh, yeah. I guess, for you than Thrice. I like the aspects of, you know, working on my own a bit. Like, it's a it's a more streamlined process, and it flows a bit better, you know? Um, it is weird not having that feedback. Uh, I ended up bouncing a lot of stuff off my wife on the last... Uh, proper solo record carry the fire and that was fun just having she's she's not musical but she has a really good ear for oh yeah 
uh, you know, what's good and what's not. And, and so she was able to, to push me on some stuff and made the record a lot better. Um, but I like, yeah, and I like the aspect of performing solo acoustic is always really fun. It's a totally different different animal and I can control all the dynamics myself and you know, take it really quiet and get real loud and uh, I don't know it's it's a it's a much subtler art I think and uh, I enjoy it yeah that's funny it's funny uh, bouncing off you know ideas song ideas off of, of loved ones like that one thing that that I used to do and I guess I still do it from time to time is so I'll play you know a friend or a loved one or someone like a song that I wrote and I'll and I'll be like, oh yeah, okay. And then I'll play another song and I'll play a cover, but I won't tell them it's a cover. And then I'll see if they like my song more than the cover song. But <laughs> inevitably, they always like the cover song more. And I'm like, fuck, like <laughs> why? Why can't <laughs> you know? It's like, damn it, how do they know? How like you know? It's it's a it's a funny thing like that. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, but that but it is it is amazing sometimes how when you bounce a musical idea off of a, you know, a person that's not a, a musician, how sometimes they can see something in it that a musician wouldn't have seen. Um, you know, either something good about it or something, you know, bad about it. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, music is universal in a lot of ways and should be you know, speaking to people who are not, you know, makers of music, uh, but just enjoyers of it. Yeah, definitely, man. So, so back to Island Records. Um, you know, you put out uh, um, "Artist in the Ambulance," great record. Everyone loves it. You're at the top of your game. Uh, I'm sure Island Records was probably pretty happy at that point with what you guys were doing. And then came Visu. Um, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Like I, I've yeah, been saying, that's how we it, say it. Visu. I, it was a terrible, terrible idea to name. Don't ever name your band or your record something that people aren't sure how to say. Yeah, well, my band's called Silverstein or Silverstein. Uh, yeah, yeah like, that's not as bad, though. No. It's still, like, recognizable, like, Visu is a bad one. Because, I mean, we don't even know the proper way to say it. It's from a book, so... Um, yeah, well, I've been saying it the same way for... Well, since the record came out, literally, and hopefully I'm saying it right. Uh, but that record... Um, definitely was a was a departure i mean very i mean i i think it's probably my favorite of all your records i really like it but it's got a lot more experimental uh, side to it what did the label think of that record and also what did your fans think of that record because you guys took a big chance i think at that time i don't know if you knew you were taking a chance or if it's just what you had to do uh it was kind of like uh we felt rushed on artists in the ambulance and we decided we're not doing that again. We're not having some external thing making us uh, have to rush through this, which I think we've gone back on a little bit, but it's been more on our terms. You know, we had set up these tours super far out on that one. It was like, uh, it, it just felt, it felt like we weren't able to make it the exact way we wanted it. We, we had to hurry. And uh, I think it's a good record, but we didn't want it to feel that way again. So, we just set out to be like, this thing's going to be done our way. We're going to have all the time we want on it. And, um, yeah, that's just kind of what started the whole process of it. But we, you know, we, we looked for a producer that was from outside of, um, our kind of you know, where we'd come from. We right. had someone from a totally different perspective. So we got Steve Osborne who had done like, 
stuff with like Peter Gabriel and uh, a bunch of like British kind of indie pop bands. And, um, so that was cool just to have someone totally outside our world to bounce things off of and um, did it up in Bearsville and took our time on it. It was, it was a really cool recording experience. Um, I like everything about the record except the vocals. I feel like that's the last record where I really don't like the vocals on it. And, um, what do you mean? What do you mean exactly? So I used to be really uncomfortable recording vocals in the sense that I not like un, uh, I didn't know that I was uncomfortable in a sense. I was just, but it was like, okay, we're going to get this, get the notes right and we'll move on. And I didn't feel like free to really sing the way I wanted to or to sing in a more emotive way or a natural way. And a lot of that probably had to do with, you know, just experience and time. But if you listen to the vocals between Visu and Alchemy, I think there's a gigantic jump and it's, because I recorded Alchemy with our guitarist Tepe running the, the board, so I just felt comfortable with him. And there was no pressure. We had time, and huh. so I was like, "Let me let me try it this way." And and from then on, um, you know, it's been different working with different people, but it's it's always been better than it was before. Um, just having figured it out once, you know, I, I could kind of get back to that place a little easier. Um, yeah, but well, yeah. that's an interesting thing to talk about. And, and I mean, this the lead singer Cinder podcast, so obviously this it's a thing we can talk about very easily on this show. Um, and there isn't an very it's it isn't talked about how much of the time a band gets in the studio, and the producer isn't really producing a song or a feeling or or okay this this lyric is this so it has to have this expression and like what is this song all about? It's like okay, well, is the note in pitch or not? Is a note in pitch? Yeah. Okay, next note. Next line. Okay, line sounds good. Next line. It becomes a very mechanical way to make to, to make music, which is not, music should not be mechanical. Yeah, and that's really, I think, missing the job of being producer, um, at least in that sense. But, I mean, uh, it's something that I think Eric Palmquist did really well on uh, To Be Everywhere, To Be Nowhere. Yeah. Uh, every, every aspect of that is... It's like, what are you singing about here? What's this supposed to be doing? And, um, yeah, so he's, I mean, a great producer is really producing uh, an interaction and an experience with the, the musicians as much as anything else, um, trying to get, get the best work out of them, which is hard to do in this somewhat arbitrary environment you know uh it's so much different than than performing live and it is I mean, yes. for us it's been hard to capture the way that we feel and sound live on a record right well i feel like it must be both ways i mean you know some of your the things you've done in the studio are amazing too and that's not easy to capture live you know, so I feel like there's a push and pull with you, with you guys, you know, is that, is that yeah. a challenge? I mean, we, it depends on what's going on. Like we've done, you know, like after Alchemy, we did Beggars, which is super stripped down. And after we went to that, we kind of like just bailed on taking anything besides like our main instruments on the road for a while. And we're kind of just coming around from that to where I think the next record will have a lot more keys right. and extra layers and stuff. Yeah, that we figure out ways to to do live 
but also live is its own deal. You know, it's you know I saw Radiohead recently and uh, on the the last record, and they you know there's no strings there at all, and they uh, that first song I heard it's called on that record is like all strings, and they played it and it was still rad. <laughs> like oh okay, right? That was cool. Like it, it's different, but it's that's okay. No, exactly. It is okay. I mean, um, you I mean your band been around a long time. A lot of stylistic changes, but you have an amazing ability to keep your fans kind of right there with you. And, you know, your diehard fans love Illusion of Safety and Visu and the new record all the same. Does that surprise you that you guys are able to kind of wear so many hats and make so many changes over a long career and just, you know, have your fans just doesn't like support you almost no matter what unconditionally? Um,. I think it's the way I look at it is it's kind of a relationship that's built and you know, relationships built on trust, which is, you know, authenticity essentially. And that comes through your music, whatever it's going to be. And so I feel like we built that relationship and people like it's a two it's a two-way thing and we've continued to make music that we are really excited about and not that we think someone else wants to hear or the radio wants to hear or whatever yeah. and in turn i think fans have been willing to give each record a fair shake and i mean i know as much as anyone that a lot of times you hear the next record of your favorite band and you're like what on earth is going on here this is horrible whatever and you yeah. give it a, you give it a second and it you'll catch up you know with wherever they they're at um and so i've had that with a ton of different bands but i think people have, have been gracious enough to do that with us and the, the more times that you kind of fulfill on that the greater that trust is no no definitely i mean it's just yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, uh, I just I wonder because to relate it back to myself and, and and what we've done with Silverstein is I think we've always played things in a way relatively safe until recently, and our last couple of records we've we've taken more chances and actually it's been more rewarding, and and that you know and it's interesting because I think you know sometimes you don't give your fans enough credit. Um, for, you know, having the ability to, you know, process and think and, and make sense of what you're doing. And um, with you guys, it seems like you guys give your fans a lot of credit um, that, they're going, that they're going to understand what you're doing. Yeah, that, that trust totally goes both ways. So, you know, you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there and, and hoping that people catch you. Totally. So with the hiatus in, in 2012, and I saw you guys play in Toronto, um, you know, on your farewell tour, wasn't your farewell tour after all? What what was going on there, you know, in your life, in the band's life? Why did you think that was the end? And and now, you know, why did you decide to come back? Yeah, that was another failure in, in branding. Uh, a failure? In what? We, sorry, we were, branding. We were trying to be so clear that it was just a hiatus, you know. But then we called it the farewell tour which seems more final than I think we meant it. <laughs> okay. 
Um, we were, I mean, we were, our never was our intention to be done. Uh, it was just to take a break. But yeah, saying farewell sounds too final. Should have been like bye for now or something. Uh, we could have covered that lag wagon song. It would have been dope. Um, <laughs> but uh, we... Yeah, so at the time, I mean, there was a lot of different factors, but I mean, to sum it up, um, we'd just been doing it 14 years straight with no break, and uh, some of us had, you know, young kids and more on the way, and were interested in, you know, pursuing other things, and it just, it just felt like it was, it was time. I mean, it was all, all sorts of crazy stuff was happening too. Everyone's parents were dying of cancer and like it just oh, it was uh it was a nutty time so it, yeah so there's a, there's a lot of factors but um yeah for me like especially touring all the time was getting to be really rough the way we were doing it and with where my family was at no totally so, i mean the upside is uh, I mean, there's a lot of science coming out now that really supports this idea, but taking a break from anything is kind of the healthiest thing you can do to go back to it. Uh, so it's been really healthy for us coming back and feeling re-energized and refreshed. Yeah, and it seems like your fans, um, you know, it, there's always that thing, you know, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, and I feel like your hiatus was really good for your career. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, every time I saw you guys play, it was a packed house, and, and you guys always did very well. But it seems like now, you know, you guys are doing better than you've ever done. And I, I just wonder how much of the the bad branding and you know the the hiatus and stuff that you talk about, uh, farewell tour, uh, how much of that contributed to it, and if you've ever you know considered that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of I. Th- I think that refresh kind of thing works, you know, on the fan level too. Like you, you, you get used to something being there and then it's gone and then it's back and you're excited about it. And, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, I think the last record is one of the stronger things we've done. So coming back with something that I think is strong is really helpful. Um, and I don't know, I mean, you can't make that happen. You just do your best, but, the response to it has been probably the best response to anything that we put out, like in the beginning. Um, Isn't so that a great feeling? That worked I for mean... it. It's awesome. And then I think some of it is the break for some reason, like allowed a reset in the larger consciousness about the band or something. Part of it has to do too with, I think, we passed the 15 year mark and all of that, which I've started to notice that anyone who does something for that long, it doesn't even matter if you're like not into it. Like there's a certain level of respect and, and cred that like cements there, but like, all right, that's legit. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're still, they're still doing it. That's rad. So all those things combining, I think we got a, a, a fair shake from new, new ears kind of hearing it too uh and we got i mean we got some radio play at active rock which um it's probably better than any any showing we'd had there with a song that we had like zero zero clue would be anything but just an album kind of track but we liked it but we're like yeah this is a cool song but didn't have any idea it would be a single so 
Yeah, it's funny how that stuff happens, right? When you you send like like even with Silverstein, like you know, radio is never a focus, but I mean, you know, if they want to play it, sure, great. And I always think it's funny how you'll have this list of okay, like we think these are the songs that sh- that should be like you know the singles or should be the songs for we should make videos for or whatever the fuck you're supposed to do. Um, and then it's amazing how when you get like another like the label's input or someone else's input, how different it can be of what other people think. You know, oh, this is the song. No, this is the song. Yeah, um, it's it's super surprising and strange. <laughs> <laughs> it is strange. But it must feel so good to be making the best music you've made, you know, you've made in Thrice's career, like whatever it is, 19 years in, um, whenever you started. I mean, longer maybe. You guys been a band for 20 years yet? Next year. Next year. Ah. No. You got plans for the 20 year? Put a new record out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have kind of avoided, you know, the whole 10 year tour thing, right? I mean, you guys have found a way. Yeah, we've never done it. We're no. doing like a, a four song Alchemy Index suite on this tour, but that's that's pretty minor. We, I mean, we are repressing the vinyl, which was supposed to coincide with the tour, but it's lagging, unfortunately. But, um, so yeah, yeah we well, talked why? about doing the vinyl for years, and they were figuring the was not not wanting to do. It, I think just because it's a pain in the ass, like it's such an involved project. It's like a book with the sleeves and all that. So, so you guys just don't have any interest in doing, you know, like a, a fifteen-year artist in the ambulance tour or anything like that. Like you just have no interest. Is that why you've avoided it? Uh, we, you know, it happens enough that we've talked about it, but we it's just never really. I don't know. Never, never been something we wanted to really pursue. I mean, it might happen at some point. I don't know. Cool. And what about your soul stuff? What's up? What's coming up with that? Um, is that still something you're going to work on just as hard, or is it going to take a bit of a backseat? Well, it's, it's got to wait until this record's done. But the next thing I'm going to work on is probably a project that I've already been working on with my brother. Um, oh, yeah. That'll be different than my solo stuff so uh, I'm excited about that and eventually I'll do another kind of more Americana record on my own too oh cool cool very cool so as I was saying earlier um, you know you being one of the most requested guests I have a ton of fan questions here I have like so many it's crazy I don't even know what I'm going to do but do you mind answering a couple um, sure yeah. you have some you have some like crazy super fans here um uh, Brandon Roy, Brandon Ray asks, um, "How did your voice change so drastically from artist in the ambulance to Visu? Was it vocal lessons, uh, natural vocal maturity?" He writes, "AKA balls dropped, LOL." <laughs> or did he just just change his vocal style because he was more comfortable? Uh, it's interesting because you said that that was the last record you didn't you didn't like on Visu. So, well, I think I I mean, if you listen to <laughs> like if you go listen to really early stuff, yeah, like. Uh, Definitely sounds like my balls must be higher or something at that point. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah. So I mean, there's there's natural progression of time, experience, whatever. I I haven't thought about the difference between those two records, but I'd imagine that's a decent jump too. It's just I'm not I'm not happy listening to the vocals on anything before Alchemy. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's nothing nothing between there that I did. I've only had two vocal lessons ever. And they were with two different, like, you know, the guys who everyone goes to. And 
Who are they wasn't, with? Wasn't, it wasn't my thing. I can't remember. One guy's in L.A. and one guy's in New York, and they're like rivals, and they have very <laughs> different approaches to things. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was never, never really my, my deal. I just kind of wanted to sing the way I wanted to sing, which is kind of how I approached guitar, too. I never I had lessons when I was young, and I never practiced. So, Because you hate those vocals on those records so much, have you ever thought about doing some re-records because I'm sure you guys would be allowed contractually after this long uh yeah but that's like I mean you always think about that stuff but then you at least for me I try to I try to keep in mind the terrible things that uh George Lucas has done to Star Wars <laughs> and uh and be like maybe it was okay to just leave it you know like it is what it is you know there's so many like lame things about the original Star Wars but like when you go back and try to mess with it it gets worse like yeah so, uh, uh, the, the, those lame things become endearing over time but when you when you try to go in and, and mess with it it just it feels uh, feels false I don't know um, I've thought about doing some kind of like greatest hits type record but actually re-recording yeah. songs which I think could be more interesting um, just a totally new take and um, there's there's songs that we still play you know that are super old that the recording to me is not aged well but the song itself is, is solid you know Definitely. so I mean we, like we play Silhouette almost every show and that song on record is pretty lame in my opinion at this point. I mean, I, I know it's the thing that everyone's connected with, but like live, it's a totally different beast. It's just, uh, it's, it's really stiff feeling on the record. And it's, that's, that's something that happens with a lot of our songs is there's a, at least in the older ones, there's a stiffness the way they're tracked and then they, they really loosen up and get limber over time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never brought that idea up with anyone, but, that's interesting. There's another fan question here that's, that asks if you've ever thought about redoing older songs for an album, like how you redid So Strange I Remember You and the ending for Deadbolt for your live show. Another example is a song for Millie Michelson live. So somebody else has, uh, has thought about this too. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's never enough time to do the things you think about doing. Well, that's right, right? If you could do everything you yeah. thought of, I mean, geez, imagine... Um, another fan question. So I guess that one, that one really wouldn't be that hard. Like songs that you've gotten good at playing live over time. That's true. Retracking them. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it would be the fun. Is a lot of the ones I'd want to put on there are like newer anyway, so it wouldn't make that much. Sense. <laughs> just remix it or something. You'd have to do like the first ten years or something, and then just do songs off that. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea, man. Uh, another question here from Brandon Ray. When Thrice uh, took hiatus, broke up in 2012, did it have anything to do with his involvement with the uh, Mars Hill Church? And did that church's demise influence the rebirth of Thrice? Uh, yes and yes. Um, it definitely had something to do with... Well, I wouldn't say it was, it was like causal in terms of the hiatus, but... Uh, I ended up becoming more involved in it than I could have while doing twice. Um, and yeah, like getting uh, that whole mess was uh, yeah 
yeah, basically I, I was an elder there at the end and was with a group of elders trying to fix a really toxic culture that the leadership just refused to let be fixed or worked on. So, uh, yeah, it, it all fell apart and it needed to, to die and it, it died and that was good. So, uh, it was a brutal, weird time, but, uh, what I learned coming out of it was that you know, while I could do other things, I really missed creating yeah. uh, music as much as I get to in Thrice. And um, that I feel like that's kind of what I'm wired to do, what I'm really good at. And um, so was was really excited to get back to it. Totally. I mean, I think you, you get to a point when you get a little bit burned out and then, you you know, People always want to put in your head. They want to whisper in your ear. Well, Dustin, the band's not going to last forever. You know, uh, it's it's you know that's the way people always want to say to, you know to you as a musician. Oh, you can't do this forever. What are you going to do this when you're 50? Are you going to do this when you're 60? Um, did you look at that as kind of like a, a second career path, something that could you know you could still find uh, you know a, a great outlet for yourself and, and something that you care about, but obviously something where you don't have to go on the road as much or, or at all? Um, I don't think I looked at it in like a real long-term sense like that. Okay. Um, what I was most excited to do was there's a lot of really great musicians and bands that were already there that I felt like I had certain gifts that could help make some of the songwriting even stronger than it was. Like just having uh, a bit more of a uh, I don't know like I have a pretty critical eye for certain things and so I thought a lot of it was amazing and I just with a few tweaks could be even better and I don't know there was exciting stuff happening music thing there and uh, ended up just being stuck in red tape most of the time I was there so mm. <laughs> it was it was very very unfulfilling uh, uh, yeah yeah okay a uh, couple more questions here um this is from Neil Anglin, a uh, big, big listener, big fan. Uh, he says, this is a pretty personal question, but it's one I've always wanted to ask Dustin. Um, how does he justify keeping his faith as a Christian, but also being so socially progressive? His songs are littered with references to the Bible, and he is a very, obviously very intelligent guy, but it's clear his faith isn't just a phase. Um, he'd like to know because he's lost his faith a while back. And Dustin, you seem to have it all figured out. Uh, <laughs> I definitely don't have it all figured out. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the issues around... Well, okay. <laughs> I think a lot of the issues with the way that a lot of the American evangelical church especially is um, kind of toxic to itself and to culture at large has to do with uh, specific understandings of what the Bible is or should be. And so I, I in the past couple of years, have been deconstructing and looking at a lot of that stuff, and I, I don't. Uh, any longer believe that the, the Bible is uh, inerrant and that is a, a huge game changer in terms of 
a lot of different things. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so um, I don't know if people are looking. But basically, well, you can't ever get away from cognitive dissonance. I've also realized recently, but you can, to an extent, choose (laughs) what your cognitive dissonance is. So uh, I'd say if there are people who are Christians who are struggling with understanding how on earth they're supposed to interpret certain things the way they've been told to and still be loving to their neighbors and um, just a part of the society at large, I'd I'd say check out some stuff from Peter N's E-N-N-S The Bible Tells Me So is uh, pretty concise and solid okay look at some of that um but yeah i mean i i I think um i think i've been lucky enough to be able to interact with a bunch of different people as i've traveled and um that's counteracted kind of the flat world that a lot of the, the church or just really conservative circles will um yeah. view things through and so it's like oh well here's my statement about this and it's like well do you actually like homosexuality would be a good one it's like people having some kind of intellectual understanding of something without actually knowing a person who is homosexual and those those kind of encounters of just whatever like just people who disagree with you or think different or live different or see the world differently or um that exposure is pretty priceless and so i've been able to interact with all sorts of people and have loving relationships with them and it's uh hopefully softened you know their view to some things and softened mine to others and um yeah, so I, I mean, I think that as much as you can be exposed to different things, either in person or really even through, I mean, uh, I think good TV has been doing that really well lately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe bringing that those people into someone's home that they might not meet in the community they're, they're in, right. um, and humanizing some of those issues. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I think. You can argue all day long about a lot of things, but uh, it comes down to to loving people. So, okay. Well, that's yeah. Thanks for answering that question. I'm sure that will yeah. be great for you, Neil. Thank you uh, for the question. And um, he also wants to know what you think of the new brand new album. I know you guys have done some shows with them and stuff, so he he's wondering what you think of it. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, I wish those guys would. Uh, the records out more than every 10 years or whatever um it's great uh my favorite song is the first track i really really like that that guy um but uh i think the whole record is is rad Uh, they're they're a fantastic band yeah they are no i know you guys have done a lot of stuff with them over the years and stuff so it's uh yeah it's, it's interesting and the fact that they're calling their breakup day uh, I love that. <laughs> that. That like two years before they're like, nope, we're stopping in this year. Um, how about that for branding? Branding a breakup. Yeah, they're funny. I mean, they're the band that does everything 
you know, the way you're not supposed to. And somehow it just makes them bigger and bigger. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I've said that so many more times. Po- more, more power to them. It doesn't, anyone else who tried it, it wouldn't work. But like, no, we're not doing any areas. No one's like, you're the best. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, dude, thanks for taking the time. Um, what's, what's next for Thrice? Uh, I guess, Run it down. You guys are on tour right now, and the new record is uh, hopefully coming out when? Probably late summer. Um, yeah, so we'll be trying to get tracking in the beginning of the new year. Great. Well, everyone looks forward to that, including myself. And uh, thanks again, Dustin, for taking the time. Cool. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Peace. Yeah, see you. So there it is, my conversation with Dustin so good to have him. Thank you so much, Dustin, for doing this. Thanks to Natalie at BMG, their publicist, for setting up this thing. And uh, yeah, man, it's eye-opening conversation. So much there. I, I really wanted that to be informative for you know real Thrice fans because I know the diehards are coming out of the woodwork. I'm sure some of you guys... It's the first time you've listened to this podcast, so I encourage you to go back and check out some other episodes. Um, and the conversation we had about the new brand new record was well, that happened before all the you know allegations and stuff. But I decided to leave it in. I'm not going to cut out uh, that just because of um, you know the current news and stuff. I'm not trying to promote uh, brand new or anything like that. It's just something we talked about, um, you know, over a week ago. Anyways, I'm going to leave you with a Thrice tune. Uh, I always play music at the end of this podcast, and I'll say, man, this is a tough one. This, uh, There's so many songs I could play from so many eras of the band. Uh, so many just... It, it was very, very hard to pick one. But I decided on a tune. And I liked the first two Thrice records. I wasn't, you know, a huge diehard fan. I'd heard them in passing. I thought they were a really cool band. But when Artist in the Ambulance came out, that was when I really took Thrice seriously. And the first track on that record, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, damn, this band is going for it. So here it is from the Artist in the Ambulance, the first track, Cold Cash and Colder Hearts on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you all next week. Don't forget to subscribe.
Oh